Do you know what it takes to move good to great? Are you almost where you need to be but not quite there yet? Find your way to success today. Welcome to the James Stentley Show with Dr. James Stentley. We've got the tips and guidance you need to propel your success to the next level. Now, here's your host, Dr. James Stentley. All right. Well, welcome to the show, guys. We just reset the show. We had some technical difficulties here. Technology, technology, and technology. Having to lose our internet. We're actually putting in brand new modems. Uh, so we have independent servers just to power the show. So we have a tech team here and we're drawing a lot of more bandwidth in this place. But I want to welcome you guys to the James Dentley Show. Again, it's Friday, every Friday at this same time. We'd appreciate it if you go out there and you would share with as many people as you possibly can. Tag them, share it with them. We're going to be live on social media in just a moment as well. And we can't wait to introduce our very special guest today because she's not only impactful and empowering, but also uh, just a joy to be around. You know, some people you just around, you just like being around them because they bring sunshine to every aspect of living. So you're going to really enjoy this guest. And she talks about uh, what she's done to become successful. And I believe that's important because when you do that, uh, then you can you can overcome adversities through the stories of other people. As they share their stories, you find yourself going down a similar path and that's what serve you well. It's just like the little engine that could, you know, it said, I think I can, I think I can. And sometimes when we're faced with challenges and adversity, sometimes we just got to talk our way through it. I think I can, I think I can. After all, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, as a woman thinketh in her heart, so is he or she. So we have to believe it. We have to see it. And then we can manifest it. We're going to talk about how to manifest your dreams, your goals, uh, and how you can live the life that you desire. Once you get absolute clarity and purpose. I'll tell you that in my experience, I've learned that it can never really be about the money. When you chase money, you never can really catch it. But it's really about a cause, something that just inspires you. You know, I always say that motivation, well, it pushes, but inspiration, it pulls you towards your dreams and your goals. So we're going to be pretty excited to introduce our guest today and excited to, to go forth with the show uh, because we do have a doozy for you today. So I'll tell you guys, um, uh, this young lady I'm going to introduce, Mr. Tara Wilkes. Uh, when she pops into the show, uh, you're going to be in for a treat because she has a story to tell because uh, she was on her own since the age of 14. And I just want you to think about that for just one second on her own since the age of 14. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know many that can really um, can can really fathom that. How do you do that? You know, how do you where, where do you go? So many things that can happen when you're in that stage and you're just out there and it's just you. And you have this dream, and, and the dreams vary based upon, um, you know, if you look at Stockholm Syndrome, Stockholm Syndrome means that when a person is kidnapped or taken out their environment, uh, the first thing a child does in Stockholm Syndrome is that they, they rebel a little bit because they're waiting for their parent to come and save them. That's the job, right? They're waiting for them to come in and save them and, uh, and, uh, and take them and bring them on back into the fold. And if they don't come after a while, uh, then they start to adapt to the ways of their captor and it become beholding to the captor. You know, Stalin, under, Stalin understood that in uh, Russia when he abused uh, entire civilization, that entire country was so abusive under his rule. And he was asked, how do you get people to love you and adore you? And it's really because he mistreated them and he made people feel as though that they needed them. You know, they made them feel like um, uh, 
you know, that uh, they would be holding to him. And to illustrate his point, what he did was, uh, and I'm going to need some help over here. I need my text to help me out over here. I got a little problem. Uh, what he really did was he picked the chicken up off the floor. And uh, to illustrate his point, I can't get this. So I get my social media back up there. And I can control here when she gets in. I can't see if she's in. So I can't put her in there. So I need to figure out how to do that. Okay. All right. You got it? I'll let you handle from there. All right. Pay no attention to the guy on my shoulder. He's kind of stuck to me. We're like Siamese twins. You know, I've got another head here. But um, he picked the chicken up. He began to pluck the feathers out of the chicken. Just pluck them. Pluck them out one at a time. Just pluck them. Just snatch them. Sometimes two at a time, three at a time. And the chick is obviously in pain, but it's a chicken. He plucked these feathers out of the chicken. And uh, here we go. I'm going to go here. Here we go. He plucked the feathers out of the chicken. And then he set the chicken on the floor. So after he plucked the feathers, this, ch this chicken is on the floor. You know, have the, where the feathers used to be. It's all red. It's all, uh, there's a lot of uh, inflammation there. And the chicken began to rub his body on Stalin's leg to get comfort from the pain that Stalin had inflicted on the chicken. And then he picked up a bowl of corn from the table and began to walk and drop kernels of corn and the chicken would follow him everywhere he went. And he looked over and he told um, the gentleman who was interviewing him, that is how I lead my people. I make them dependent upon me. I strip them. And that's what Stockholm Syndrome does as well. Sometimes uh, because of the paradigms and how we respond and perceive the things that perceptions we have of what happens in our life and how we respond to it, uh, sometimes we uh, create a prison of our own making. And we don't even know it because so much of our life is driven through our subconscious mind. So we're going to get a chance to talk about manifestation, talk about some incredible things. But I have my great guest and dear friend on the show right now. Shatara Wilkes, welcome to the show. Thank you. All How right. are you? I'm wonderful. And we can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. But first of all, let me just share with everybody. You know, we actually lost all of our internet connection. and had to reboot everything in the middle of me talking. But that's okay because the devil's alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want our audience to know that this young lady not only uh, started off very humble beginnings, but had a, had a dream, uh, something inside of her. And when the average person would have broken or crumbled or stopped or had every reason or could have made the decision understandably to go a different direction and go into the shadows, she stepped into that searing light. Uh, she started her own company very early. She talked about that. And then she uh, manifested another company from that. And that was an international company, an international brand, and the first to do so in the country. She's going to talk about that. And then not only is, does she uh, a franchise owner of several uh, operations, which are extremely successful, but now she's a franchise store. So she has her own, another company, a restaurant chain. And now people are buying her franchises and she still manages to do that and wake up when she gets done sleeping. <laughs> so Shatara, well, first of all, I want to say welcome to the show. I'm honored to have you here. And if you would, start off by telling our, our, everyone here just a little bit about your story. Okay. First off, thank you for having me. I know you have a lot of options in the world, and to choose me, it's an honor. So I appreciate the honor it. is all, wait a minute, the honor is all ours. We just have I, to, I, You know, I have to say that, though. When you get choices, you, you acknowledge the ones that, that you give it. So Amen. I appreciate this one in particular. So uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So a little bit about me is, um, as we said uh, a little bit last night on the uh, Entrepreneur Forum, mm -hmm. I um, came from two-parent family home up until the age of about 12 years of, of age. Um, and per my mother, 
She says, who I love to death. And let me tell you, I would never change my parents. Um, my mom said that I was, you know, not being the best teenager. I mean, I don't believe it, but it could be some truth in it. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't believe it, though. Um, so I found myself, to make a long story short, and you guys are going to find this, find this funny how I'm coming right off of this directly into this statement. So I found myself homeless <laughs> at 14 years of age. Wow. Um, and from the age of 14, I, have, I was basically on my own, literally, from then. So if you can think of most of the encounters uh, that take place on your own, I probably experienced them. Um, however, I also um, had wonderful father as well. My dad was in the Vietnam War, of course, and he started doing heroin when I was about two years of age. Um, but my dad, he was also a dreamer. He was also the dreamer. I'm a, I'm a dreamer, but he was also a dreamer. And I watched him dream, even though he, you know, had the habit of doing heroin, which we know that, you know, when you're a heroin addict, you're usually leaning over, you're falling asleep everywhere you go. My dad gave me a lot of good advice, high as, I don't know, as a kite. I'll say that. So maybe he was talking to angels. I don't know. But he gave me a lot of good advice. Hi. Um, so, you know, my mom thought that somewhere along the lines of life, she was teaching me to be a better person. But I've never been the kind of kid that was predictable or individual, should I say. So um, creating a world where my foundation was never stable, uh, it never enhanced my ideas to be a better person. It just enhanced my ideas of figuring out how to live outside of a box. Her idea was, if I do this, it'll make her do this here. But my idea was, wow, that's another strategy. I gotta figure out how to get out of that, you know? So, <laughs> so you know, that didn't really work out too well uh, based on the way a parent feels. But I bought a lot of lessons and I paid for them with experience. OK, uh, thank God that I always had integrity. Uh, thank goodness that I always enjoyed having it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that was my start. So I went through life like all others. I, you know, I went to high school. I mean, I went to grammar school, of course. And then I went to high school and I did maybe a year or two of college. You know, college works for some. It, it, it wasn't really for me, though. And I knew it wasn't going to be for me because, number one, you know, I had learned how to be creative. I had been figuring out how to do things um, a little differently at an early age. So sitting in the classroom, listening to stuff that I had, or had probably had one-on-one -on -one experiences with, you know, already, it was just like, mm, it's boring to me, you know? And um, I, just, I just always knew, no matter what, I just knew because I met so many different types of people along my path of life, I just knew that I was always going to be different. I knew that I was never alone, hmm. if that's a good analogy. Which now, I'm going to jump in there for a second. We got I know we got a commercial in two minutes, but um, you just knew. And I just want to ask our audience and listening, they're watching even on social media, how many times have you uh, just had that premonition? You had something that just struck you and you just knew there was more for you. You just knew. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We got another minute before the commercial break. Yeah, you know, that's really good that you're asking them that because a lot of times we're faced with uh, energy or vibration that just feels like, you know, it's answers to your questions, but you don't want to believe it because you're not physically hearing it from someone. 
you know, and that's how I was moving through life. And uh, in doing that, it allowed me to take chances. It allowed me to have faith and believe in that I had a crutch, even though I didn't see it. I mm-hmm. felt like I had help, even though I didn't know it. But I knew it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, knew you had, I knew you had one minute left. I didn't know. That yeah. Was. Yeah. Well, we got one minute left, and then we're going to come back. We got plenty of time. We're going to talk. We're going to do that. From Google Chrome. But I will tell you that um, I don't know what that happened. <laughs> I got these new technicians over here. Somebody's going to get fired. <laughs> but I'll tell you that I remember, like, when you first started the show, the first words you said, um, and you said, well, you're honored to be here. And it, 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 suddenly it hit me about a David laying in his bed in his final days giving instructions to his son, Solomon, who would become the wisest king that was ever written about in history. And in Proverbs, David said, always give honor, for honor is due. And it just dawned on me when you said that, because I know the type of person you are, and I'm really honored to have you here, and I'm honored uh, to say that you are our, our friend as well. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to be back with Mr. Tara Wilkes, and we're going to talk about her story, overcoming adversities, and and then what does it take to build a thriving business? What does she do first, second, third? How did it manifest? Because I believe that you'll find your track in someone else's story. I know I found mine. And those stories and the world's waiting for you to tell yours as well. So we'll be right back with Star Wilkes after this commercial break. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com As we continue on life's journey, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Senior Straight Talk with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a purposeful and passionate, fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the information that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platform. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel find out what makes the most successful people tick keep listening to the voice america empowerment channel voice america empowerment.com you're tuned in to the james stentley show We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at the James Dentley Show.com. Again, that's JD at the James Dentley Show.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. I'm here with the um, one of the top entrepreneurs, uh, uh, just great humanitarian. A woman has a tremendous heart and also has found through a journey of um, tapping into the clarity and the gifts that God has given her. 
uh, to manifest life and make it better, not just for her, but everyone around her who she touches. So I'm honored to have her here. And this segment of our show is brought to you by JD3 TV. And we're live streaming entertainment, everything from sports coming out near you very soon, December 11th, 12th, and 13th. Tune in to JD3 TV. So, Shatari, we were talking about, we were going right into uh, through your story. So, I'm going to ask you if you can pick it up right where you left off. Yeah, you were speaking on um, the idea of King Solomon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that you brought that up because um, some people know that I am, I love to be who I am. I am also unapologetically me. I am a medium and intuitive um, very familiar with energy. I, I love the idea of knowing that I am also an alchemist. We all are. That's what life is about, changing the vibration of any room, any entry, anywhere you go, and keeping it working for you. Um, so I, I, I have a lot of meditations, um, and I, I definitely uh, have a lot of spiritual help, and I get a lot of knowledge uh, also from King Solomon. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. So when I say to you that, I know I was never alone. I knew I was never alone in life because I knew God was always with me. Of course, I could feel Jesus. But I also knew that I had my angels making sure that they made sure that I was aware, even being homeless, I was not alone. So kind of expounded off a lot of that, which is kind of weird in a good way. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's talk about transition to becoming an entrepreneur now did you work uh regular just average jobs at first and then how'd you move into a, you know, becoming a business owner so i've always been kind of an entrepreneur um i found a lot of joy in all areas of of, uh, of art so i know that and i always said this if i do anything in art i always tend to do well in it, you know, because I, I, I wasn't going to be a philosopher. I wasn't going to work well in school. I just, you know, it was good. I, you know, I got good grades when I, when I was there, but I knew I didn't want to stay there long. Mm-hmm. So um, I used to build na- a nail tech, okay? Many years, I became a nail tech. It was a fun job. And then I became a hairstylist. Now, doing those jobs, those are entrepreneurial jobs, okay? I felt like life was treating me well. I felt like, hey, I'm making money. I'm doing pretty good. I knew I was making more than my friends who were at McDonald's and a lot of other companies. But there were family members that I did still listen to, like my grandparents. And they would say, oh, you still need a job. You need a real job. You need a real job. And I was like, but this is a real job. I'm making my own money. I'm kind of controlling my money. I kind of know what's going on. I can book people and I, you know, I have control of that. No, it wasn't a real job to them. So I applied at the post office and I didn't freaking got it. So you got to be careful for what you ask because you might get it. I actually got the job. All right. So when I got the job, I was like, this is like the, for me, don't get me wrong. It's a great job. But for me, I knew it wasn't going to work for me. And I guess the people I was there, management, they knew I wasn't really into the job. I was there for like maybe six years. I was trying to prove that working this job was what I needed to do. And I got all kinds of promotions because they knew I didn't like it. I was never on time. I wasn't really the best employee. And I kept getting promoted. (laughs) I was like, 
how am I getting promoted when I don't even show up? They tell me you got to work this week. I'm like, no, I'm going to be at my friend's house or no, I'm going to be in Jamaica. They're like, no, you better be here or you're going to get in trouble. And I'm like, okay. So I come back to work and show all my pictures of the fun I had because I didn't show up to work. Right. Then I get promoted to work right there with the biggest boss ever as her secretary. And I said, hey, listen, you already know I don't like working for you and I don't even really like you. Why would you put me in here so we can talk every single day? And she's like, because I see potential in you. And I said, but I'm being mean. And she was like, yes, I see potential in you. In my mind, I'm thinking this is because you're mean. You want a mean person with you, (laughs) you know? So believe it or not, I did that job. And then I was promoted again to human resources. That's when I knew my real purpose of being at the post office. It was so that I could help other people. I've always indulged in all areas of joy when it comes to helping others. So I gave everybody a job who I thought wanted one and their family members. And then I decided, you know, this isn't going to work for me. I have to quit. So I resigned. And they were like, well, where are you going to go? And I said, I'm going to be on television. And they were like, this girl is nuts. What are you going to do on television? I said, I don't know, but I just feel like I'm going to be on television. (laughs) If any of them are out there listening, they can contest to it because I was the talk of the whole post office. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so, and then that just led to one thing. So I'm bored at home, of course. I decided I want to start making these handbags. That's what I did. I took glue. I stuck them to a bag. I bought a handbag. And next thing I know, I'm out and about minding my business. Someone from NBC comes over to me, Art Norman, and he says, my wife likes this pocketbook you're carrying. And I said, you know what, Art? Um, Well, I didn't know who he was then, but I said, oh, well, tell her thank you. He said, do you sell them? I said, no, because now I've quit the post office. I'm bored trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I got into that business. Mm -hmm. He says to me, if you can decide to make this a career, I'll find a way to try to help you. It was like an angel in disguise. Wow. And he had integrity and morals. I loved it. So I said, okay, maybe 30 days later, I decided I reached back out to him. I had created a website. My very first interview was on NBC five here. Then it became NBC stations nationwide. Wow. And that's how the Shatira handbag started. So I've always been an entrepreneur, but that became, I became a global, a national handbag designer. My bags, next thing I know, I'm doing features all over the world. Then I only had two little purses and I called them the original coin purses because I stuck pennies and dimes all over them, American coins. Mm -hmm. So then I started manufacturing out of the country because I needed a whole new line. That started another whole brand and it just worked it went from one area to another and it's like I was just being prompt I just I was just following the energy so all those days I was telling everybody at the post office I was going to be on television now we have full footage of NBC videos all over the world where I'm saying hi to all my old co-workers (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay uh, so it, that, that kind of brought me into a, an idea that even, even as an entrepreneur, doing hair, which I loved, and being a nail tech was right on track, but I could do bigger things in the world of business. 
you know, because in that world, not only did I, did I manufacture out of the country, but then I had to become a U.S. importer exporter. So I was thrusted into that because my handbags were all ill skinned. So then I had to become licensed with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, which means now I have to be accepted in different ports. So I accepted. They approved me for JFK out of New York and, of course, O'Hare. That's really all. Those are the only two places I needed my products to come into. Okay. So then there became such a thing as doing your brokerage and all this good stuff and your tariffs. And I said, you know what? I've been doing things this way. I've been figuring out how to do it. I'm not going to pay a broker. I want to know how to do it myself. I want to know how to do my own brokerage, how to accept my, pay my tariffs and do everything I need to do and become a U.S. importer exporter. I read the paperwork. I went online. I did everything necessary. And then all my paperwork was being approved. Wow. And I'm like, wow, I got it right. Wow. So you took responsibility. You had a goal. You had a dream. You had this vision. You took responsibility and you taught yourself. Nobody got you by the hand and came and saved you. No. But you manifested you'd be on television and all of a sudden art from NBC comes and says, hey, so that just means when you're really in tune, what you want wants you. Exactly. The vibrations are lining up. Mm -hmm. What you want wants you. That's why it's important that what you want must work for you. I say this to people all the time and to everyone that's listening. If there's nothing you can take from anything that I've said, if you're you must at all times only speak words, hold thoughts, and move in energy with emotion that is working towards the desires you have. If you don't, you are your only resistance, meaning you are the person that's holding you back. Mm-hmm. Not your friends, not your family, because as humans, we love to blame everybody else. Mm-hmm. But if you're not only working and using words and energy and thoughts that's working towards your desires, you're preventing your growth. Now that will change your life if you know nothing else. Woo. Now, now you went from that to something that has nothing to do with that to having a recovery home in the Dominican Republic. How did that happen? Well, because if you know me, I'm always saying how I believe the whole world is my playground. You got to remember The mindset of a 14-year-old, I had already felt like I was at my worst in life. I'm thinking, well, it can't get any worse than this. So maybe I can dream. Maybe I can believe in my mind's eye that what I'm daydreaming about can be real. And in doing that, there was never a place that was always similar. It was always me doing different things in different places. It didn't matter if I seen it, if I thought it, if I dreamed it, I felt like I should visit it. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I always tell people about the poverty of the imagination. When you have the poverty of imagination, you're manifesting more of what you don't want. Even Paul said the things that I want are not what I do. I do the things of which I hate because we're operating from the human paradigm that's been taught to us by our environment, what we see all around us instead of what we see in that imagination. You are creating things that you don't want as well. And that, you know, that's, that's really hard to believe because, you know, a lot of times we don't want to believe that we play a role in our, in in what feels like bad experiences. But I can assure you, if you've had one moment of a thought where you saw lack or you felt the idea of it and you put a little energy with it, you just created a spell in your own life. You just made it happen because those manifestations must take place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So let's talk about the Dominican Republic recovery home. How did that happen? So that's what I was doing. So I was I was literally just thinking, well, it, it got to be more to the world than what I've seen, you know. But to make a long story short, when it came to the Dominican Republic, so I went down there with uh, a cousin of mine, okay, you know, just enjoying life, traveling like we do. Mm-hmm. And um, she decided she wanted to have some surgery. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, uh, I'm going to go with you. I don't know nothing about this. I can't even tolerate seeing blood. I'm like the person that should not be in the room. Don't ask me for help. If you if you need help, don't call me because I'm running. I'm running the other way. All right. So make a long story short, she ends up having surgery. Um, and we're staying in, in the Dominicans' homes and nobody's speaking English. And it just felt really weird. I just felt like if we if something would have happened to us, who would have known? Probably nobody because nobody even understood us. OK, so I tell my cousin, I say, you know what? I feel like we should have a business here. I feel like I should do something here. I want to do it. I want to just, I want to see. I keep hearing women talk about it. While I'm here, I can clearly see there's women here by the freaking hundreds every single day. In seven days, thousands, okay? Thousands. I said, I got a feeling I can do this. I don't know why, but I always say the world is my playground. I'm going to see if we can do it. I'm just going to try it. Next thing I know, I'm looking at homes, I'm talking to people, I'm learning my Spanish better, I'm making friendships, I feel like I'm part Dominican. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Because I'm, I'm just really indulging in the culture. Uh-huh. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to try it. We're going to try it. We're going to do it. All right. So we opened up what is called Diva Dolls, um, Diva Dolls International. It was the only American-owned plastic surgery recovery home in Santo Domingo in the capital of Dominican Republic, in a country where we're told that everything is so corrupt and it's so difficult and you should run home and don't even try it. And you're Americans, you're going to be a target. And I was like, wow, that sounds like my American experience. I can do it. (laughs) So we did it. And then next thing I know, ladies from all over the world were coming. I mean, I had people upset with me in Europe because I didn't have room for them in my home. They all wanted to stay there. Name a country. We've, we've serviced over 4,000 ladies across the world. Um, and I decided, you know what? Again, one thing about any form of entrepreneurism, as you know, James, you must know what makes you happy. Yeah. I love collecting checks. I love helping people. But I'm kind of lazy. I thought I picked that up at the post office. Mm-hmm. I don't really like to work. So um, it became a little overwhelming for me, even though they're still asking me right now, please reopen, please reopen. I sold the business after six and a half years Mm -hmm. and um, it worked well. It did what it was supposed to do, but it allowed me again in creativity to help people all over the world. And it was another form of art. Remember I said, if I umbrella myself in art, I tend to do well. Wow. Wow. Now, from that, did you go into the, the franchise store, the edible arrangements from that, or was it something that you did between? Well, well, well let me, I want to just finish one thing with this okay. here. Also, it's important that people know, because a lot of ladies who are watching this go to Dominican Republic for surgery. I mean, I'm a patient as well. It's kind of like before I bought edible arrangements, I had never eaten a chocolate pineapple. So once I bought them, I started testing everything. Okay. So I also became a patient in Dominican Republic, but, um, I can see why it was meant for me to do it because Diva Dolls existed. 
We set the standards for safety for every American and every woman that's coming around the country. We were the only home licensed. It took me eight months to get licensed. And now those standards are being upheld by every home there because it was an underground world. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah. Wow. That's special. I love it. Love it. All right. What's the next Next stop? <laughs> <laughs> The next, well, the stop literally before Divadas International was edible arrangements. You know, I was just asking God to, you know, just show me more fun. You know, I want to just explore everything. Since life has taken off good, I've had a really rough start since 14. Let me just see what I can do more to help people that's fun, that I like, that's creative. So I'm going down the street one day and I see this location. It's called Edible Arrangements. I didn't know that's what it was. But when I walked in, I talked to the owner. I said, how do you do this? This is so much fun. And she was like, oh, you need this amount of money. It was supposed to deter me. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to call them because if that's all I need, I think I made enough of my handbags. I should be able to get 10 of them. <laughs> all right. Hold it right there. We got to take a last commercial break and we're going to come up. We got 20 more minutes. Okay. We got to get to some stuff, but we didn't even got to the, to the restaurant yet. We'll be right back with Sitara Wilkes, guys. I hope you're taking some notes because everybody has a journey. And this can give you some ideas about how that journey. So when you, you face certain things, you know what you're looking at. When you change the way you look at things, things you look at will change. Be right back after this commercial. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're tuned in to The James Stentley Show. We'd love to hear from you via email with questions and comments. Drop us a line to JD at thejamesstentleyshow.com. Again, that's JD at thejamesstentleyshow.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. We're here with Chitara Wilkes, and we're right, we're right at the point making a transition into the edible arrangement and then talking about what's next. So, okay, edible arrangements, you go in and... You, you talked to the lady there. You said, okay, I can buy 10 of those. Go ahead, take it. Yeah, I didn't say it to her, but in my mind's eye, because she was trying to 
deter me. She made it sound like it was something so beyond me. I wouldn't be able to get it. So I was like, well, thank you for the information. I'm going to reach out. And I did. And I, I just believed it. I, I don't know any franchise owners. I, I, I've never met any franchisees. I just knew if one person was a franchisee, I could be one too. And this was creative. They were making flowers. It's like right up my alley, you know? So I went to headquarters. I called my husband. I said, listen, I'm going to book us a flight and we're going to go down. And I'm, I'm thinking about buying this franchise and they make fruit. And he was like, Shatira, really? Are people even eating fruit? And I was like, yeah, they're eating fruit. But if not, then I'm going to take a chance and see. So we went down. Turns out, worked out perfect for me. When I got there, Tariq Farad, the CEO, the, the guy who created Edible Arrangements, the man, his daughter, he knew who I was. His daughter carried my handbags. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God, small world. Well, thank you. I, you know, I appreciate it. And I expressed my interest. And I became um, about five locations total. Um, and I became the only one in the state of Illinois that owned all my franchises by myself. Wow. Okay. And, and, and at that time, it was only like three or four, no, maybe four African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And um, I was one of them. So I was excited about it. Learned the process. I worked in one of my locations, my very first one, for two years, just me and the driver, because I wanted to know everything it took to make this business a success. Meanwhile, I'm still doing my handbags. You know, I'm really big on just trying everything. And and if I decide to dissolve something, doing it in a way where it worked, but in the midst of having everything, making sure it helps others as well. Mm -hmm. So I knew this was going to work because I'm feeding people. Yeah. So you, you shared a story with uh, Kara and I about a young lady who came in your store and you were actually working behind the counter and she was with Mary Kay and she was trying to enroll you. And yeah. I really, I kept that story because of just the way you treat people and why that's so important and it's so natural for you. So can you share that with us? Oh, yes, of course. So I'm, I'm sitting in the store and, you know, she comes in, this customer, she's very nice. You know, and, and, and the thing about it is she really thought she was helping me. You know, because it's big for me uh, to make sure that everyone does not know. They don't have to know that you're the owner. It's not important that you're the owner. And I was big on that. If you come come in my stores now, like we talk about me being the owner. But if you come in my stores and I'm standing with a customer, no one will ever say I'm the owner. You know, external of that in my own world, I'll talk about it. Um, But she came in and she's like, girl, you still work here. I've been seeing you for a couple of years. They must pay you well. And I said, well, you know, they do. They pay me pretty well. You know, I mean, I like the job. And she was like, listen, I'm going to give you my business card. OK, you need to you need to I- I'm going to help you become an entrepreneur. I said, OK. And I was like, well, what do you do? And she says, I sell Mary Kay. And I said, oh, wow. OK, well, you know, I really appreciate it. Um, and, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I can't even remember the whole conversation. But when she left. She was under the impression that she helped me. I never made her feel bad because my goal was to keep her as a customer, but at the same time, respect her craft. And she didn't necessarily need to know that I was the owner. Okay. Uh, And that's one of the things that is very intricate in, in any part of business. You know, you will never have success if you don't know how to seal a deal. And then sealing the deals, as you love to say, James, as you love to say, Selling any deal starts with understanding that character is number one. You've already lost every deal if you have no integrity. Yeah. 
And if, if they've just heard that in any room you walked in, you've already lost a deal. So it was real big for me, and it is still is in life. Relationships are the number one way of keeping customers, creating customers, enjoying your customers, rectifying issues with your customers and for them, and doing it happily. There will never be any success if you can't do that. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care what business you run. Mm -hmm. Understanding that we're all the same and understanding privilege is just what it is, and people are moving through life path based on karma and energy and things that matter that they've created, but it's not for you to judge them. You must meet people where they're at, no matter what. They should always leave feeling as if you're their friend, no matter what, no matter who you're talking to. And I learned that at 14 because I can hang out with the homeless people. I can hang out with the good people. I can hang out with the judgmental people. And I was just going to be unapologetically me, no matter what. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you guys have any questions for Ms. Wilkes at the conclusion of the show on social media, uh, you can ask those questions and we'll address some of those uh, head on. So now uh, you're uh, franchising restaurants uh, uh, throughout here in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and Chicago as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story and what are you doing right now? And, and what would you think would be, um, if somebody was asked, what would be the secret sauce? And there was, as you, you know, we live life forward, we understand it backwards. If you look at your life, what are some of the key things that you can share that you have, that have helped you? And also, what are some of the things that maybe have hurt you uh, in this journey? Okay. Well, some of the things, number one, that um, have helped me is, again, like I said, understanding character, not being judgmental, meeting people as if we're all equal, no matter what, having no judgment in that, Okay. And um, the idea of knowing that one of the secrets to having it all, and Buddha said this, and I love it. One of the secrets to having it all is knowing that you already do. The only time, as I've already stated, that there is lack of any sort in your life is because you've created it in your mind. And that right there, learning how to maneuver in life and daydream and believe that the universe is working on your behalf. And believing in, believing in the idea that success wants you, just like a kid believes that Santa Claus is waiting for them, that is where the true happiness and joy and privilege, you actually see it. That's where manifestations take place at. Mm -hmm. Now, the things that have, I would say took away okay. from my success easy in life uh, in some areas, even though I still caught up with it, I caught up with my dream, but the people who prevented that, I would say was my desire and my choice of listening to those who had never reached any of their goals. Give me instruction. Mm. I, I, and you can learn from everybody. Again, you can learn from everyone, mm -hmm. but it's real important if someone's going to tell you how to drive a car that they at least own one mm. because that, that way, you know that they've driven a lot and they've learned a lot of lessons in doing that mm -hmm. because some people will just be on the sidelines of preventing your growth intentionally because they don't even believe you have what it takes because people will be jealous of your potential. So they will create a potential of failure for you. And that was one of the biggest things, listening to the wrong minds that had not been structured themselves. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, Solomon's it wasn't Solomon. The, the Bible says that he who keeps company with the wise, well, they shall be wise, but he who keeps company with fools shall be destroyed. We had Sharon Lecter on an entrepreneurial forum. Uh, not, you were there last night, but uh, the Thursday before that. And one thing she was saying was that, you know, you want to have a mentor. You want to be able to listen to somebody has to help you with counsel, but make sure you choose people who have earned the right to give that to you. Because, but everybody is a great example or a terrible reminder. We learn from everybody if you pay attention. Absolutely. I had a couple terrible reminders, but guess what? Mm-hmm. You know, those terrible reminders, they understand me now. Because this is one thing also that helped me, that will help a lot of people. I've always said this, you know, I was the girl and I was the person, the underdog, that everybody was making fun of for being different. But now I make fun of them because they're all the same. Oh, write that down. See, I got a whole half a page of notes for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, time to write another book. (laughs) I'll do credit for it. (laughs) Wow. I I love it. All right, now we're moving into the the restaurant business. Yeah. Okay, so they're like, she's all over the place. I can hear you guys. But let me tell you, because I feel like Uh, As a spirit, we come here to enjoy this human experience. I don't want anything to miss me. I don't. I want to see what it feels like to to touch everything and keep everything going as long as I can. So keep that in mind, guys. That's something you should always do. Now, for me, what started the whole idea of the restaurant business was my son, Uh who, of course, did not have the the background that I did. Um, He decided he wanted to post it. You know, we can't control these kids. But he posted on social media, um, going to college after me and his dad paid cash for him to go to school. His very senior year at University of Arizona in Tucson, he's posted one day, oh, going to college was fun, but dropping out was better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking. What? Are you kidding me right now? So... <laughs> so I had a long talk with him. I set him up with people I know, like, no, you need to go to school because school is great. And he's like, Ma, you're not the person to make me a believer. So I set him up with people who I thought was going to make him a believer. He still came out non-believing. Okay. So I said, okay, I'm not going to let you fail. You know, and a lot of times, you know, parents, sometimes we don't have the means to do that. But, but, but in all goodness sake, I had the means to do it, you know. So I said, we're not going to let you fail. So since dropping out was fun, I mean, going to school was fun and dropping out was better. Then we're going to I'm going to buy we're going to buy you a restaurant, your dad and I. And this is it. You're you're not you're not going to ask us for a dollar. All right. He we opened a restaurant for him, built it out in Tempe, Arizona, down the street from Arizona State University. He has such a business mind. I've questioned him many times. How did you know? How did you do this? How did you know to do it this way? And he says, Ma, I was always watching you. Mm. he's 24 and has already made at least a million dollars, 24 years of age. Mm. Okay. And the day we opened, we had 400 people every single day. By the end of the week, again, it was the same thing. Hundreds and hundreds of people. And they were all so impressed. They all loved the idea. They were asking about franchising. And we were like, no, no, no. One day there'll be a time for that. The Mm. time has come because, um, we have great chicken. We're feeding people. 
We're helping people. It's elevating humanity. I love that. It's food. It's not, we're not taking away from what feels like growth. Um, And I just really believe again, because I always say the world is our playground. That's how it happened. So we started having people call from all over the country, all over the U.S. Oh, what is this? I keep hearing about this. I want to try this. Come to my city. I'm going to be in that town. I'm going to try it. We're going to see. We're going to go there just to do it. And next thing you know, Chicago's Chicken Shack franchise became a real thing. And now we're franchising out. As you know, October 23rd. So if anybody can come support us in Broadview, my very first franchisee opens and they're so excited. Um, And what made me really want to do this franchise, all of us, should I say my husband and son as well, is because I wanted to give people who felt like they were left out. People like me, the underdogs with a high school diploma whose dad was a heroin addict or people who went to prison or, you know, vice versa, who felt like the world had already dished him a card that said, you're a loser, a second chance. And that's what we're doing. So my very first franchisee, he's a Vietnam veteran. He also has been in prison. He's getting that expunge. But guess what? For the first time in life, now he has a restaurant. I'm pretty sure he's going to do very well. And he has another one that's going to be opening in November in Hillcrest. His family rallied around him. They supported him, which let me know he had great integrity. They believed in him more than I did. Okay. And they came up with the means, bought the franchise, And now we're rolling and we have 38 more waiting around the country. It's actually more than that. Those are just the ones I've entertained. And even you, James, said that you're open. You want 10 of them. But we haven't even entertained that yet because I got to get these other 37 off my plate. I'm trying to get Lavelle to manage it, but he's not not going for it yet. Oh, Lavelle is like, you you, you need three Lavelles. I know. (laughs) I can't find three. It took me forever to find one. I know, I know. So that's how the chicken shack started. So for me, I'm just always trying to keep these checks rolling, always just trying to live in my dream. Again, I don't care if it's a pole outside and you see it. That lets you know someone is creating them and making them. And you can be the person putting together the poles to sell them. And that's how I look at life. Amen. Well, look, we're going to close out this show and we're going to keep going on social media. So for all of you all who tuned in this week, I hope that you uh, got a message here that, that inspires you and, and some subtle little messages about how to handle what's possible. Because Abraham Lincoln said it best, if it's possible in one's, one's life, it's possible in yours as well. So keep dreaming, keep living, keep working, and keep making a difference. Remember that you matter. Your life matters and you matter in it. It's going to conclude our show. Remember, we don't think outside the box because in our world, there is no box. We'll see you next Friday, same time. Thank you for listening to The James Dentley Show. Be sure to join James for another inspiring show next Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here next week.